Amen. Amen. Hello, Relentless Church. How y'all doing today? <laughs> Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, I'm super, super excited to be here with you all. I'm grateful for the, the worship team. Wasn't that amazing? That to bless us into the service like that. My heart is full and, uh, and I'm excited to be here with you all. For those who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting before, my name is Raf. I'm the associate pastor here at Relentless Church. Um, and we are continuing on today in week two of a, of a series called This Is Us. This is us. If you've been around with us uh, for any, any um, you know, number of years, you might, you might recognize we, we do this series. We try to do it annually. This is a vision series for us. It's a series about who we are as a, as a church, right? But I, I also want you to know when we say this is, this is us, um, for us, uh, I think it means a little more than that as well. It's, it's who we are as a people, who we are as, as followers of Jesus. This is us because this is who Jesus was and it's who he calls us to be. And so when we say this is us, it, 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 it kind of encompasses all, all of that. Right and Jesus, who who um, you know among among many things, the many many things that Jesus was, the titles that that, that he held, the things he accomplished when he was walking the the earth, the, the the character and the things that he modeled for us. One of the ones that really stands out to me that we're going to talk about today is is Jesus was a servant. He was a servant. He said of himself, "The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a as a ransom for the many." Right? This is Jesus who, when his disciples were arguing amongst themselves uh, about who, who was greater, who was going to be the best, who was going to achieve the most, who, who Jesus liked the best, he turned to them and said, hey, you should know the, the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Right? I'm talking about Jesus who, who on the night before he was going to be arrested and ultimately give his life on the cross, um, had the, the presence of mind to, to at an intimate supper, a dinner with his 12 closest disciples, get down on his hands and knees and, and get a, ba- a bowl of water and a, and a rag. And he washed each and every one of their feet one by one and then stood up and said, do, do to each other as I have done for you. Do unto others as, as I have done for you. I've set a, a model for, for you. Okay, the life that Jesus Christ lived, the life that scripture clearly lays out for us, the life that we've been called to live as his followers is a life of, of service. Okay, and service, I believe, is one of the greatest ways as, uh, for us as, as followers of Jesus to grow in our faith and in our character. Okay, um, I remember... Uh, my first time serving in the in the local church, uh, I was a, I was a new Christian. Um, you know, recently gave my life to Jesus, but I still hadn't been baptized. But uh, I just felt like He was calling me to do something. I was growing in my faith. I was reading uh, the, the the Bible, and and I was excited for Jesus. But I felt like He was He was calling me to do something, and I didn't know what. And I answered a call from a a, a family pastor who, much like myself, stood on a stage and said, "Hey, we need help in the kids ministry." And I was like, "Man, I don't even know if I like kids." that much, but God, like, I felt that, like, nudging, like, hey, you should probably do this, and, and I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, and I was like, all right, man, and I just, I signed up after church and, and started serving in kids ministry, and I remember it helped me. One of the things it did, uh, there's something about serving that helps you develop empathy, right, because it takes the focus off of you and puts it on other people, right? It, it, it kind of gets you, um, you know, to engage in someone else's story, right? And, and so we had these little kids, my, my first job in, in uh, or, you know, as a volunteer in kids ministry, my wife and I led a, a small group of uh, kindergarten and first graders. And my favorite part was, was prayer requests. You know, at the end of each service, you know, we'd play games, we had a message, we worship, we'd, we'd talk through and ask some questions, and then it's time to pray. And, uh, and we had this one little kid every, every day, please pray for my cat. And I'm like, 
I, don't, I really don't like cats. I barely like kittens. No, I'm just kidding. I love kids, but I don't like cats at all, right? <laughs> pray for my cat, but it wasn't like, one, it was every week. Pray for my cat, pray for my cat. So I'm like, all right, man, we pray for little Billy's cat. We're praying for your cat, praying for your cat. About three months in, he raises his hand. I'm like, here we go. Pray for my cat. He says, please pray for my dad. I'm like, ooh, now we're getting somewhere. He says, uh, he said some bad words last night and he had to sleep on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I don't think you're supposed to tell me that, buddy, but I'm so glad you did. We were praying for your dad right now, right? But, but what happened was, you know, it took three months of praying for his cat for him to understand and trust and believe, hey, this is a place where I can talk about the stuff that really matters to me and these people care because Jesus cares, right? And so that connection was made for him, right? Serving, it gives you agency, Right, this, this understanding that, that I can play a part in God's story, right? That, that, that God wants to use your gifts, your talents, your passions to, to make a difference in his, in his kingdom, right? He just takes whatever you have and he uses it to, to, to again, bring, bring a, a, a piece of, as it is in heaven on earth, right? He, he wants us to partner with him in that. Um, uh, I remember one of the other things we had in that uh, children's ministry was uh, we had a, like a, there were different classrooms and we had one decent sized classroom and, uh, and my, my buddy Petey, who was a, he's a pastor in Colorado Springs now. He was the children's pastor at the time, but he thought it was a great idea to designate this one room uh, to put all the like rambunctious third and fourth, fourth grade boys in and call it the Nerf room and just put a bunch of Nerf balls in there and let them go crazy, right? So it's like my first week serving. I show them like, what is, I open the door, there's just stuff flying everywhere. You got like talking crazy. I'm like, my wife's like, I'm not going in there. I'm like, oh yeah, let's do this, right? I get in there and just start picking kids off. Like, dog, it was, it was amazing. I'm like, this is so fun. I love the Nerf room, right? Just nailing kids. They're not mad. They think it's fun. It was awesome. I love the Nerf room, right? So, so fast forward a, a few years later, this time I'm, I'm actually serving up in uh, student ministry with the teenagers now. And, uh, and I get a call from the, the children's pastor and he says, hey, you know, uh, Ryan is going to get baptized this Sunday. I said, oh, that's amazing, man. Good for him. I'm so, you know, I'm, gra- I'm so happy, you know, hallelujah, all that. He says, yeah, he, he wants you to, to be in the water with him when he gets baptized. I'm like, Ryan, Ryan Mitchell? He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I know him. And, and I'm like, this, you know, he was in my, my small group. And I'm like, that's great. Like, and he, why, does, why does he want me to be there? I remember just whizzing dodgeballs at Ryan's face, right? Like, this is what comes to my mind. And, and, and he says, well, he said you're the first person to introduce him to Jesus, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. I would love to be in the water with him. And so, so I got to be a part of, of his baptism into, into new life. And for that kid, what I thought was meaningless fun on a Sunday morning, right, made a connection with this kid that years down the line when he said, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus and, and, and I want this person to be a part of it, right? Again, that's God using you in his, in his story. It's, it's, it's powerful. Um, and it's beautiful in a lot of ways. And I just, I want to be really honest with you all this morning. I'm going to be, uh, put all my cards on the table up front. I have two goals. I came here with motives today, okay? And I, and I have uh, a couple of goals, one for each person here. First of all, if you currently serve at Relentless Church, I want to say thank you. I just want to honor you. Like, thank you. What you're doing matters. It matters so much more than you know. You may never realize on this side of heaven how important what you're doing is and how much it matters and how God is using it. He's moving even now. The spirit is moving, right? He's using it. And so I want to reassure you of that. My goal for you is that, that you would be encouraged today, that you would be refreshed, that you would uh, be, be filled up and inspired to continue serving in his name. And for, for, for everyone else, my goal for you today is that you would say yes that you would say yes to serving in some form or fashion. I'm going to leave that to, to God and you to figure out how, but that is, that is my goal, that you would step into this, this life that he's called us to, 
right? There's something powerful that God wants to do in and through his people that we only get to experience when we say yes, when we step into our roles as followers of Jesus and serve others in his, in his name. And so I want to highlight that today for, for you all through um, the accounts of one of Jesus's most well-known, uh, well-documented miracles when, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, okay, which was recorded in all four gospels. We're going to look at it today from, from Mark's gospel uh, in chapter six, starting in verse 30. And as we do, I just, I want you to kind of focus in, zero in on this, this idea, this aspect of, of serving, okay? So let's jump in. Mark chapter six, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and thought. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So, so pause there. Apparently, the disciples had been you know, working so hard doing ministry that they skipped lunch, right? They just, they didn't get to eat. So now, now they're hungry. That's like a red flag for me, right? First of all, there's a reason, right? When you're on a plane and they say, hey, you know, turbulence, when the thing comes down, put the mask on yourself before you help anyone else, right? Because it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous to serve others on an empty stomach. Like when you're hungry, I, I just picture Peter, you know what I mean? Just um, stomach growling, hangry, like, trying to, have, like, it ain't happening, you know? So I, I feel for him. I think Jesus recognizes this too. That's why he says, hey, y'all need a break. You need a break. Come with me. Let's go get some rest. Okay, verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Okay, so a couple of things you need to know here. The, the Sea of Galilee, which is, which is where they are, where this takes place, um, it's not actually a sea at all. It's, it's actually a lake. Um, it's a, it's uh, the lowest freshwater lake on earth, meaning it's, it's set over 700 feet below sea level. Okay, so picture that. And it's about 21 miles long and eight miles wide. And so what that means is on a clear day, you can see from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other in any given direction. All right, so, so picture Jesus and his disciples. They get into a boat in one town and they, and they set out to a different place on the other side of the lake and, and where, where nobody else was, right? They remember, they're trying to get to a desolate place. But all the townspeople see them getting into the boat and see exactly where they're going as they, as they push out. And so they proceed to follow them on foot the long way all the way around to the other side of the lake. So that when, when Jesus and his disciples arrive to this supposedly desolate place, the crowd has already beat them there. They're there waiting for them, okay? Thousands of people. And so it continues, uh, verse, excuse me, 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was too late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. We'll come back to that. They said to him, that would take more than a half of a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread to give them to eat, to give to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. Then they found, when they found out, they said five and two fish. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, they only counted men. And so 5,000 men, surely there were some women and some children there as well. This is well over 5,000 people we're talking about. Okay, again, I want you to imagine this huge crowd of people running the long way around the lake to beat Jesus and his disciples to the spot, right? Who remember are trying to get away from the crowd. They're going there because they want to get away from people and get some rest. And Mark tells us when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. The disciples didn't. The disciples were like, Jesus, send these people away, right? Get them out of here, man. We're tired. We're hungry, which I get it. I don't, I don't blame them. But, but Mark says, no, not Jesus. He, he had compassion. He saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion for them. There are uh, four important truths that I think Jesus wants his followers, his, his disciples. I think he wants us uh, to take away from this story. And the first one is this, hungry people, hungry people. Everybody we see in this story is hungry, right? From the, from the very beginning, Mark says the, the disciples were so busy working, they didn't even have time to eat. They are physically hungry. They're physically hungry. But then you have this massive crowd who will go to any length to get an audience with Jesus, to get in front of Jesus, right? And they don't just have a physical hunger. They've got deeper needs that they want met, right? They're hungry for, for something else. That crowd is looking to Jesus for, for healing, for salvation, for freedom, for hope, for guidance, for, for restoration, each face in that crowd reflected a need, a hurt, a, a, a loss, a hunger. Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus and his disciples. Hunger in this instance is a, is a lack of satisfaction or fulfillment, right? It, it signifies unmet needs. And everywhere Jesus went, there were hungry people. And these people had needs that were not being met until Jesus showed up. One of the things you see Jesus do repeatedly all throughout the scriptures is meet the needs of people. Over and over again, he's meeting the needs of people. And so Mark says in this case, he had compassion. So what did he do? He, he began teaching them many things. Notice that Jesus, the good shepherd that he is, okay, he, he, he met their most pressing need first. He feeds them the word of God. Okay, he would go on to feed them food as well. We, we already know that, right? But, but, but not before addressing their spiritual hunger, which only he could satisfy. Jesus understands there's a deeper need beyond even the felt needs that, 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 that are so real to us. Right, verse, uh, excuse me, John chapter six, verse 35. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me, will never be thirsty. This is Jesus saying, hey, there's a deeper need, even beyond the stuff that you feel and see and, 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 and what you're going through right now. There's something deeper. There's something inside of you, right? I can feed you today and you'll be hungry again tomorrow. But that hunger underneath there is always gonna be there. There's a, there's a hole, there's something missing inside of you. And I was the only one meant to fill it until you realize that you'll never be truly satisfied. I'm the bread of life, he says. What was true back then is, is still true for us today. There are hungry people in this room today. There are hungry people watching today online. There's a hungry world out there. People with needs that aren't being met. Relational needs. 
Man, there's lonely people out there. There's a, there's a devastating amount of loneliness, right? Just exacerbated times 100 because of the pandemic of people who just, who, like, they, they're not loved. Like, they don't have anyone. Like, they don't belong. Like, they're on the outside looking in. There, there's a hunger for freedom. Freedom from, from addiction. Freedom from sin. Freedom from, from, from fear, from depression, from anxiety, from loss. There's a, there, there's a hunger for hope for purpose, for healing, for peace. And ultimately, what that hunger equates to, that like that hole that, that we're all seeking to fill, it's a lack of, of satisfaction, a lack of fulfillment. And Jesus wants us to know, he wants us to understand true fulfillment, real satisfaction can only be found in him. He's the only one who can ever fill that. There's a hunger inside of every person that only Jesus can satisfy. A deep hunger that only he was meant to fulfill. And until we allow him to meet that pressing need, not only will we not truly be fulfilled, not only will we not be satisfied, okay, but that desperate hunger, those felt needs will never go away. Will never go away. I think it's interesting that both Jesus and the disciples saw exactly the same need among the crowd that day. The disciples' solution was to get rid of the need by getting rid of the needy, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Verse 36, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus saw a different solution, and he wants the disciples to see it too. He said, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to feed them. We're going we're gonna to meet that need. We're going to serve these people. And so first he meets their spiritual needs. By, by feeding them the word of God. And, and now he's going to address their physical hunger. But check out how he does it. Verse 37. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Again, hungry people everywhere. The disciples themselves are still hungry. Okay, they come to Jesus. They ask him to send everyone away so that they can go get something to eat. Jesus looks at them and says, no, no, no. I want you to give them something to eat. I want you to, to feed them. And in that moment, what Jesus was doing was inviting them into the miracle. He was giving them the opportunity. He was inviting them into the miracle. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something about serving here when he says, you give them something to eat. He's inviting them to take a part, to play a role in the miracle as he meets the needs of the people. And I think, you know, I see myself in the disciples. I think they're a lot like us in some ways or we're a lot like them where we want Jesus to do everything for us sometimes. We, we kind of get caught up in that, that um, genie in the bottle style of Jesus where we can just come up and cozy on up and rub the lamp and say, Jesus, please meet that need. And it's not even like always for me, right? It's, it's God, help them, Jesus. They need you, Jesus. You know, bless them, Jesus. Take care of those, those, those people. And of course, he has the power to do that if he wanted to. He, 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 he very well could. But that's not, God's, that's not God's plan from the very beginning. He wanted us to partner with him in his redemption of the world. He wanted us to play a role in that. And so what Jesus understands is, hey, hey, if, if, if I did do that, okay, I'd be robbing my disciples. I'd be robbing you all of, of the opportunity to, to be a part, to play a role in something miraculous. And the disciples' reaction, again, is, is just like ours a lot of the time, I think. What do they say? We can't do that. We can't do that, Jesus. We don't, we don't, we don't have enough. 
We don't have enough money for that. We don't have enough resources. I don't have the, the talent. I don't, I don't, I'm not qualified, right? I don't have the time. We don't have what it takes. There are hungry people in this world, Jesus, and I don't have what it takes to feed them. You got to do it. You got to do it. And Jesus responds to them. How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? In other words, what do you have? You keep telling me what you don't have. You keep telling me what you can't do. Tell me what you do have. Bring me what you got. Bring me what you have and I'll work with that. I'll take care of the rest. My prayer is that that Jesus would say the same thing to some of you today. Bring me what you have. bring Bring me what you have. Trust me with that and watch what happens. And of course, what, what did they have? He, Mark tells us five loaves and two fish. Now Mark's gospel, I like Mark a lot because he kind of gets to the point. Um, and his gospel is like the Cliff's Notes version. But if you read some of the others, you get a lot more detail, okay? And so John, uh, in his gospel, his account of this miracle, he tells us that, that the disciples actually found a boy, a little boy who had a bag lunch that his mom must have made for him because she knew he'd be out all day and she didn't want him going hungry. And so he had five little barley loaves and two small fish about the size of sardines, okay? And, and so that's all, that's around. Jesus says, just bring me what you got. They search all those people like, here's what we have, Jesus. We took it from this little boy and we, here, here you go, right? And, and I could just, I, I can imagine, you know, the disciples, two tiny sardines and, and, and you know, a few little loaves of bread. And, and again, they say to themselves, this isn't enough. This isn't gonna cut it, Jesus. Look at that crowd. Look at all those people, right? Again, I'm not, we're not qualified for this. We don't have what it, what it takes. We're not worthy. You know, the need is far too great for this to make a difference. But I came here believing today, Relentless Church, that some of you are gonna hear the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit whisper to you today, you give them something to eat. That just, the, the God's gonna impress upon your heart, you meet their need. You meet their need. You give them something to eat. And, and when he does that, I want you to know he's inviting you into the miracle. He's inviting you into the miracle. Please, Please understand, when I say miracle, I'm not talking about the fish and the loaves. Yes, that was amazing. He fed all those people. It was, it's crazy. I cannot deny that. I wish I could have seen it with my own eyes. But there's something even more powerful going on. When I talk about the miracle, I'm talking about the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about new life. Remember, Jesus fed these people the word first. The food came after. It was a connection to say, yes, I care about you here and now and I want to meet your felt needs, but I've already met the most important need you'll ever have. It's a relationship with God the Father. The miracle is, is, is dead people, people who are dead in their trespasses, dead in their sins, who are lost without ever having a hope of relationship with God, coming to life, new hearts, new lives, new beings in Jesus Christ who now get to spend eternity with their father in heaven. Some of y'all, maybe you've had the pleasure, you've had the experience of, of, of being able to witness that, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about that. Servants get a front row seat. They don't just get front row seats, I'm sorry. They get to play a role in this miracle and what God is doing, right? So, so, I'm talking about um, when, you, when you sign up to come to, to, to serve in RC students and you come with us to summer camp, you get, a, you, you get to play a role. You get to be a part of that, that student who never wanted to come to camp in the first place, 
did not sign up, but his mom made him come. And he shows up with his hands in his pocket and his head down. He don't want to engage and doesn't want to talk to anyone and, and really doesn't want to be there and make sure you know it. And, and by the end of the week, that, that's night one, okay? By the end of the week, two hands up, tears rolling down his face, worshiping the Lord with everything he has, goes up to a small group leader at the, at the last night on the small group and, and says, hey, man, I love you. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I'm talking about that kind of miracle, right? That kind of change in someone's heart. I'm talking about the small group leader who opens up their home and invites people in to sit down and share a meal and do some community and open up the Bible and read God's word. And there's a couple that shows up whose marriage is on the brink. No one else knows it in the beginning, but by the time that season is over, God is working in their hearts and he's using this community and he's restoring a marriage. It's a, it's a, it's a miracle that we get to be a part of because we said yes to, to, to stepping into who Jesus is calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. It's a little kid who, who walked through these doors a few moments ago, excited. I'm talking just smile from ear to ear to, to, to run to whatever classroom they're going to to tell Miss Takesha or Miss Melissa or Miss Casey or, or whatever it is, their memory verse that they worked all week to memorize because they know, right, as far as they know, hey, I, if I remember this verse, I get to get a prize out of the box. But what they don't know is that I'll give you a prize all day, every day for you to memorize scripture because God is using that. He's burying it in your heart. And when you don't even realize it, 10, 20, 15, five years from now, that word is going to save your life. It's a miracle of God. We get to be a part of that. I want to I speak to young people right now for a moment. Just uh, I see some of my RC students in the room and that encourages my heart. If you have a, a, a student a child, uh, grade 6 through 12, this Wednesday night, we are kicking off this season, this school year of, uh, of RC students. Uh, we're kicking off with a party on Wednesday night. And so we're going to have some food. We're going to have games. Uh, we, we are, we're going to talk about what this year is going to look like and, and uh, just kind of just have a good night to ring in kind of this new, this new season of ministry. We, we invite you all. I would love to see all of you there, okay? But I want to speak to you directly right now for a second because it's not a mistake that the lunch Jesus used to perform this miracle belonged to a boy, okay? Who, who just gave what he had. Very simply, he just, here you go, here's what I got. Something miraculous happens in the heart of a young person, okay, when, when they realize that we're not just trying to do ministry for you, we wanna do ministry with you, okay? God wants to use you just like he's, he's using me, okay? And, and all you have to do is be willing, be willing to show up every week and say, here's what I have. Just bring what you have. And I promise you, when you put it in the hands of Jesus Christ, he will do something special with it. He will do something miraculous that only he can do. Which brings me to, to the next truth I wanted to, to highlight. This is how he used it. Okay, this is how he did it. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Blessed, broken, and given away. Blessed, broken, and given away. This is the pattern of multiplication that we see in scripture whenever something comes into the hands of Jesus. This boy put his lunch, all he had, in Jesus' hands. Jesus prayed a blessing over it. Then he broke it. Then he gave it away. Blessed, broken, given away. I can't imagine what the disciples were thinking in that moment because he, he, he did it right in front of them, right? He had to. And so he, he takes the bread, he takes the fish, 
Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you for providing. Thank you that you are a good God and that you love us and that you always provide. Thank you for this meal. We love you. We honor you, right? And then he, then he blessed it. Then he broke it and literally just started passing it out. And it, it never ended. <laughs> and that just basketful after basketful after basketful until over 5,000 people were fed. And they didn't just get a bite. Like they were satisfied. They were full. And there were 12 baskets left over, one for each of the servants, one for each of the, the disciples who said yes, who stepped into that call. Blessed, broken, given away. Jesus blessed the disciples in the first place, right? With the, he blessed them with salvation. They were among the first to realize, to understand, to know the blessing of Jesus in real time, in real life. He changed their hearts. He transformed their lives forever. And now he's beginning the process of breaking them, breaking their hearts for the things that breaks his heart. And he's preparing them for what's to come when he gives them away to meet the needs of others and be his church. Blessed, broken, given away. I can tell you that's, that's my story. I remember giving my life to Jesus and, 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 immediately just this, this feeling, like, I don't know, some of y'all Christians in the room can, can relate to this, just what you felt like when, 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 when Jesus kind of wrecked your life and changed your heart, just the overwhelming, like when you were met face to face with his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness, when all that stuff you kind of heard people talk about or thought about or whatever, like when it became real for you and you received it for real for the first time and it just filled you up, like I just remember feeling so blessed so blessed, I'll never be the same. And then, and then shortly after that, I began to broken, broken hearted for my family who didn't know, didn't know Jesus, broken for my friends. God put a particular burden on my heart for teenagers. I, my heart broke for them because I remember my thought process and the life I lived in and the choices I made and the decisions and the things that I did because I didn't know that a relationship with Jesus was possible because I didn't understand his, the, 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 the transformational power of his grace and his mercy. And I thought, man, if I knew then what I knew now, what I know now, and, and God just, that burden wouldn't go away. And so that's why I got involved in student ministry. That's why I'm in a lot of ways, I'm here to today and why I do what I'm doing. And from that moment, when I committed to, to, to serving others in his name, God has been giving my life away, bit by bit, little by little, here and there. And, and, and it's not always pretty and it's, it's not always fun. And sometimes it's hard, but it's also beautiful. And, and I would never do it any other way. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go back. I don't regret it. And, and so my question for you all is, is this, where are you in this cycle? Blessed, broken, given away. Where do you see yourself, find yourself in that? Have you realized how blessed you are by what Jesus Christ accomplished for you on the cross? Have you, have you received that blessing? For some of y'all, if you haven't, talking to people who don't know Jesus right now, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you've never made that, that choice to stop living for yourself and start living for him and receive that blessing, that is the best thing you can, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. That's, that's for you right now. That's your next step. I'm praying for you. Do not leave here today. Do not, do not sign off today without making that choice, without making that decision.
If you're online, you can, you can click on our connect card and just write on there, hey, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to know more. I have questions. Whatever it is, we would love to walk through that with you. If you're in the room, I'll be hanging around out front. I would love to pray that prayer with you. I'd love to answer your questions and come alongside you. And we've got other people on staff and leaders in this church who would love to do that as well. And so if that's you, that's your action step today. I pray don't leave here without, without taking that step. But if you have, if you're a Christian in the room, if, if, you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been blessed and you need to realize it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. And the next step is that he begins to break us. He will, he will break you for the lost. He will break you for, for people who are poor and disenfranchised and, and stuck in cycles of poverty. He will break you for those who are in need, both here at home and, and, and in other countries abroad. Okay, he'll break you for refugees, for immigrants, for your neighbors, whatever the case may be. But what I want you to understand, what you need to know is that there is a purpose for that brokenness. He's breaking you so that he can give you a way to meet those needs. Some of you in this room, you've, you've gone through some really tough stuff in your life. Some of you are experiencing a, a particularly difficult season right now as we speak. And you don't understand why. Why? Why did I have to experience that? Why, why did I go through that divorce? Why, why did you go through that abuse? Why did you have to experience that loss, that, that, that pain, trauma, that brokenness? Why would God allow me to experience such hard things? And the truth is, I don't, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you than that. But I don't, I don't know. And that's not fair. But let me tell you what I do know. I do know that God is a God of compassion. I do know that he is a loving God, that he is real, that he's for you, that he's, there's never been a moment that he hasn't been by your side, that he hasn't felt your pain, that he hasn't empathized with you. I, I know that he promises to work all things out for the good of those who love him. I know that that's a promise that he's made for us in his, in his word. I know that Jesus loves you. And could it be, could it be that he's broken you so that he might give you a way to be a blessing to someone else. I can't tell you how many people I've met that that's their story. That, that, that they've gone through a really hard time or a traumatic event or a season of life that they wouldn't wish on anyone only to come out of it on the other side with a faith and a testimony that is unassailable. Unassailable. And they realize, man, God brought them through that, that pain, that brokenness, so that he could give them away and use that experience to bless someone else who's going through the same thing. Which brings me to the, the last truth I think Jesus wants us to receive today. Number four, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. God does not want something from you. He wants something for you. Let me show it to you again. Verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. Everybody ate. Everyone was full. There were 12 baskets of leftovers brimming over to the top, just full for each one of the disciples, their servants to, to take with them on their journey as they were going to go and meet others' needs. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that whenever you serve others in the name of Jesus, you always end up with more than what you started with. 
God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. Now, please hear me, right? I'm not, this isn't prosperity gospel. If you say the right prayer or you have enough faith, God's gonna bless you with a house and a car. And that's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is, I, I, I think scripture backs up. When you say yes to Jesus and you step into the life he's called you to live and be the person he's called you to be and you serve others in his name, you will come out on the other side of it Okay, when you make that sacrifice, you come out on the other side with more than what you had going in. It could be more faith. It could be a, 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 a bigger, more powerful testimony. It could be more peace. It could be any different, you know, amount of things. But understand and trust and believe that God is a good God and he's a generous God. And, and, and when you serve him faithfully, you will come out with more than what you had because he doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. It's important that we understand that today because in a, in a few minutes, you know, I'm going to pray. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to give you guys a call to action where you're going to have the opportunity, okay, the chance to step into service and experience the, the fullness of life that God offers us all through his son, Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of different opportunities and ways to do that, both here at Relentless Church and beyond the walls of this, this place, okay? But before we can do that, it is essential that you understand, that you, that you fully receive this truth. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He wants abundance for your life. Jesus said, the enemy came to seek, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundant life. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to discover your gifts and your talents. He wants you to, to find your, your purpose. He wants you to step into your calling. He, he wants you to find your community. The disciples became brothers, serving side by side together, doing life together as they served others. Many of them didn't know each other before that. The one, some of them who did knew each other and didn't like each other. But, but they answered Jesus' call and came together and became, and became brothers in the process. They found their family. They found their community. God wants so much more for you than you can possibly imagine. He, he, he wants you first to acknowledge the, the hurt, right? There are, there are hungry people. He wants to satisfy your hunger. He wants to fill you up and then send you out to, to meet the needs of others. He wants to give you the opportunity, right? Not just a front row seat, but you get to play a part in the miracle of of transformation that the gospel brings apart, brings apart. We get to be agents of that, agents of the gospel. And I promise you, even when it's hard, even when it's a sacrifice, he wants more for you than you can ever imagine. You'll come out on the other side. In God's economy, you'll come out ahead. I promise you. I promise you, you will. And so with that said, um, like, I, like I said, there's, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie, we, we, not only do we have opportunities, we have needs as a church. And so you may have noticed when you came in today along that wall in the, uh, in the lobby, uh, there's our connection board and a welcome board, and we've got different ways for you to get involved. And so you might see some of these um, cards hanging. They're all different ministries, color-coded. And so we got tech team, we got RC kids, there's RC students out there. Um, there is uh, uh, guest services. Um, I'm not gonna read them all. There's descriptions on there saying what you might do and, and what it might look like. If you see something that interests you, okay, on the other side is your uh, information. And then there's a mailbox there where you can drop it in. 
all right? There's also on the other side, on the welcome board, um, or there, there are some, some ways to get involved, again, outside of the church with our partners, okay? With Love From Jesus down the road who do amazing work. We serve there as a church the third Saturday of every month, but we have a lot of people in our church who go during the week at their leisure. They're open almost seven days a week, I think. If you go on their website, you'll get the exact hours and stuff, but, but we got a lot of people who represent there uh, on all different days. And so we're not limited to that third Saturday um, and they always have different kinds of needs. So you can get involved there, compassion, is uh, someone we've partnered with internationally. We've basically adopted a community in La Ceiba, Honduras, where right now, I think today, to date, we, we've, uh, we've um, support 59 kids. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to have another Honduras Sunday where we have the opportunity to, to uh, take on some more kids. And if, uh, you know, that we're going to open that up to everyone. And so again, all the information is out there. Just take your phone, you can scan the QR, QR code, and you'll get all the information on those things. Now, some of you as well, I've been struggling. It's a hard week for the world, for our country. There's so much going on. Can't even, I don't even want to start getting into all of it. But I will say this, if God is breaking you, if he's breaking your heart for something that maybe is outside of here or maybe, maybe it's not one of the things we've talked about, that's, that's okay. That's between you and God. And I still believe everything I said is true. He's breaking you to maybe use you and meet a need. And so if you need help figuring out what that looks like, if you need us to connect you with someone or help you vet an organization or whatever the case may be, we want to come alongside you as a church to do that as well. I fully believe, you know, if he's breaking you for that, he might want you to meet it. And so, so again, um, whatever that looks like for you, but I do believe everyone in this room, everyone watching online, myself, we, we all have a step to take. And, and, and I believe, man, God's going to do something special if we honor him in that. Y'all with me? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your love, your grace, God, for your, your, your plan. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, and his example, his, the way he, he modeled servant leadership, God, the way that he sacrificed himself for all of us. God, I pray for, for everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, who needs, to, who needs to take a step today, who needs to make an action step, whether that's, that's receiving that blessing for the first time. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters who are on the fence and, 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 and are, are, are seeking or questioning or, or wondering about a relationship with you, God. I pray you would push them over the edge today and that they would step into their new life with you. Father, I, I, I lift up all of those servant leaders who are currently working hard and serving in your church, Lord. I pray you would just, you would give them a fresh wind, God, that you would inspire and encourage and build them up and get them ready for, for a new season where you do miraculous things in and through them, God. I pray for our church. I pray for our country. I pray for uh, a broken world, God, that you more than ever, Lord, help us to be the, the, the kind of servants that go out and meet those needs in your name. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all. I love y'all. I appreciate you guys. Again, don't forget to check out the, the Connect board on your way out and make sure you come back next week for week three of This Is Us.